Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. You could win big with NBC Sports Chicago and Coors Light. Just enter the scratch and score sweepstakes for your chance to win two sweet tickets to a hockey game this season and more. Enter at NBCSportsChicago.com slash sweepstakes. Welcome to the Blackhawks Talk Podcast with Charlie Romeliotis. I am Pat Boyle. Peek behind the curtain on this podcast. It's the second one we're doing today <laughs> because it's trade deadline week, Charlie, and things are happening fast and furious. Uh, Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty, no surprise. Uh, they were packaged and dealt to the Maple Leafs along with two fifth-round conditional picks. The Hawks are going to hold on to 50% of Jake McCabe's salary. And in return, the Hawks are getting a 2025 first round pick, which is top 10 protected. It would move to a 26 first round pick um, if it falls in the top 10. The 2026 second round pick, along with lower tiered prospects, Joey Anderson and Pavel Gogolov. Uh, your thoughts on the package that the Blackhawks received in return for a top four D and uh, a, a bottom six forward in Sam Lafferty. Yeah, I think the initial reaction is I'm sure the Blackhawks were hoping that they can get a first round pick in this year's draft, um, but they obviously ended up not getting that because I understand why Toronto didn't do it because they didn't have a 2023 first rounder because they gave it up in the Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari deal. And then they didn't want to give up the 2024 first round pick because that's the last year of Austin Matthews's contract. So they probably want that as their second all in year after this one. Um, so the Blackhawks kind of had to go all the way to 2025. I think the big thing, I guess, if you're looking at this from the grand scheme of things is that the Blackhawks now have two first round picks this year two first round picks next year and two first round picks the year after that, which is great. Um, and, you know, then you look into the second round picks and the Blackhawks have two, three, and then one. So you know, the Blackhawks are certainly loading up their prospects. But I think if you asked me a few weeks ago, uh, I'm sure Chicago would have loved to get a, a first round pick in this year's draft, but I'll, I'll put this into perspective. Um, I think it, the market kind of dictated the way, as it always does, how this is going about. So you look at Toronto, we just mentioned their situation. I think Boston had interest in Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty, both of them. Uh, but I was talking to a source uh, last week and Boston kind of pivoted away from prioritizing the players that had that had term on their contract because they're viewing this year as their all in year. So I remember asking um, uh, uh, a an Eastern conference source, basically like why Boston isn't going harder for chicken or whatever. And they're like, they're, they're looking at this year as, as all in. So that's why they acquired Dimitri Orlov and Garnett Hathaway is because they didn't care to pay the price for players with term. They wanted the best available players in that year in, in that year's draft. And so they got it in, uh, in, in Orlov and Hathaway. Isn't, isn't that funny though? Cause it goes against 
a lot of what you hear uh, as far as what GMs usually, you know, rentals are the ones you want to stay away from and not give up prime assets for. And it's players under term under contract uh, and have term. And especially if you're absorbing 50% of it, I mean, let's be honest, they're getting Toronto's getting a top four defenseman. And I think he plays right at his market value. He plays at a $4 million level. And they're getting him for $2 million each, each of the next two seasons after this year. That's a pretty right. good steal. Yeah, I think for, for Boston's case specifically, though, they know they're they're going to have to pay David Posternock, And they mm-hmm. know that Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, all these guys came back for this year. So they're really not focused on year two or three, right? They'd rather just have the extra cap space. The one other team that was seriously interested in both of the, these players in McCabe and Lafferty was Edmonton. The problem is Edmonton was not on Jake McCabe's Seven team no trade, or he was on their seven team no trade list. So there, there would there could never really be a package for the both of them. Uh, I think Edmonton would have loved Sam Lafferty on on its own, uh, but I know the Blackhawks probably held out to package Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty together because they knew it would fetch a larger return, uh, as we've seen with Toronto, where they packaged uh, or they got Ryan O'Reilly, Nola Chari, and then Boston too with Orlov and Hathaway. The Blackhawks took a similar approach by packaging the two. Uh, to sweeten the pot. So, um, yeah, so that's where we stand. I, I know fans are, you know, probably would have liked to get a, a, a first round pick in this year's draft, but I just think the market quickly shifted and the Blackhawks took the best possible offer on the table. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is just, it. I, I don't think a fan by nature is patient. And that's, that's, uh, that's me included. So I think that's why, you know, you wanted to see the first round pick this year in a so called very deep draft. Uh, and then when you see that the 2025 first round pick is top 10 protected and that could be kicked down the road to 2026, again, that that, that pushes your patience button and it, it, it tests you. The one thing I will say is, as you already pointed out, the two first round picks as of now in each of the, the next uh, three seasons uh, does – reap sustainability or at least sets in and contract renewal up. You won't have everybody uh, finishing their entry level contract roughly at the same time. And with what they have left, I mean, you look at what they have second round pick wise, they have three second round picks as of now. Uh, There could be another coming uh, and two third round picks this year. They could package a couple of those second round picks to move up into the first, maybe the second one of the third round picks and move up uh, into the first round. And then you look at 2024 and 2025. As of now, they've got two second round picks, two third and 24, one second and one third in 2025. So, um, you know, they're they're set up for some sustainability, but it's going to, uh, it's again, as of now, it's going to test the, the patience of the rebuild as far as the fans perspective. And I will say this too. It looks like we're on a collision course for a Tampa Bay, Toronto first round matchup and Toronto just strengthened themselves. So if Toronto eliminates Tampa in the first round, that means that second first rounder that the Blackhawks have in the Brandon Hagel trade would obviously be higher as opposed to if Tampa beat Toronto, then Obviously, that pick gets deeper as uh, the, or I guess, the deeper the, the lightning goes. So I guess that's also a little bit of a silver lining in that trade. Yeah, we are going to be locked in on that series for sure. <laughs> breaking that down like it's, it's the Blackhawks in the playoffs. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Kyle Davidson spoke 
uh, after morning skate in Anaheim on Monday. Uh, not much to add to Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves' situation. Kind of said they're in a holding pattern. Uh, obviously, the deal has not been finalized with the Rangers. The New York Rangers are still trying to make the money work under the cap. They had Keandre Miller had his hearing today for uh, for spitting. Uh, he claims it was by accident. Um, it looks like Wednesday could be the day that this thing is finalized, but it also could be a little bit later on in the week, closer to the Friday deadline, Charlie. Yeah, Pat, I have a headache trying to think of all the scenarios of when this deal could get executed, right? It started with the Rangers uh, putting Jake LeCision on waivers over the weekend. They also, shortly after that, they traded Vitaly Krofsov, um, to kind of clear that cap space. So they put the wheels in motion. And then Ryan Lindgren got hurt in the game. And we thought, okay, now we got to wait until the next day to see if he's going to be put on LTIR. And if he does get put on LTIR, then the Rangers and Blackhawks can execute a trade as soon as that day. Lindgren's ear, uh, injury was not deemed to be very serious. So then the New York Rangers on Sunday played a game with two players short, Ryan Carpenter and Braden Schneider. They dressed in the game but they did not play because the Rangers didn't want them to get hurt, which would prevent them from being sent back down to the AHL. Um, and so then the Keandre Miller uh, spinning incident happens, which now delays things because now we're going to find out the hearing later today. If he is suspended for a game and Lindgren is still hurt for the Rangers, they don't have enough guys to physically dress in, in the game. So it's just all these moving parts. But if, if we try to simplify it, the Kane trade, it feels like a formality at this point. Everything is going to happen um, as uh, pending Kane's approval, which we feel like uh, we're going to get. And it's going to be executed the earliest on Wednesday, potentially Thursday or Friday at the latest, if uh, the Keandre Miller suspension kind of pushes things back a bit. But it's basically just all for the Rangers to accrue cap space so they can have room to fit Patrick Kane under the budget because currently right now they cannot. And explain to everybody how many players need to dress, right? You have you do you have to have twenty dress? So here's the interesting thing, and I, I didn't look this up in depth, but I'm wondering if the if the Rangers can dress Ryan Lindgren in the game, even though he's injured and can't play. Like, can he just sit there on the bench, or can the NHLPA or the NHL step in and say, no, you got to dress a healthy forward because he, he's clearly not ready. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I would assume are. that you can, if you can dress Ryan Carpenter and not play him, I assume right. uh, as long as that player is again, is not in LTIR or, or on the IR in some capacity. Um, right. So if the Rangers have to call somebody up and they can't do that with Lindgren, then I think it, it has to, it pushes the Kane, uh, execution on Thursday as opposed to Wednesday because they would have to call someone up and then that player's cap it would accrue, which would kind of delay it, right? So yeah. it, it's it's very complicated. Um, but yes, it, it feels like it's going to get done at some point. It's just a matter of it's going to happen Wednesday, Thursday, or on deadline day Friday. All right. Well, <clears throat> depending on how you stood on the McCabe-Lafferty uh, package that the Blackhawks received, uh, you've been hearing the last couple of days on social media to uh to prepare yourself to uh be somewhat underwhelmed by the return that Patrick Kane brings in the trade with the New York Rangers it looks like by all accounts it will not be a first round pick it will likely be a second round pick 
and it doesn't sound like a prospect will be in the package. Uh, how do you frame this when you uh, when you hear these rumors, Charlie? Yeah, so I think a lot of attention is going to go on on Patrick Kane and why he waited this long to make a decision. And, and maybe that's one of the reasons why the package is going to be pretty underwhelming. But I'm actually going to rewind to two weeks ago when it was probably pretty clear that Patrick Kane had expressed interest in the Rangers, whether it was through his agent telling the Rangers that, hey, you're going to be really high on his list if he decides to waive it. The Rangers did not have as much mutual interest at the time because they had pivoted and traded for Vladimir Tarasenko. And obviously there were were reports that came out that said the Rangers had concerns about Patrick Kane's hip injury, right? So uh, the package that the Blackhawks probably would have gotten for Kane went to the Blues for Tarasenko. So I don't really fault uh, the Blackhawks. I I don't really know what they could have done differently. I think it's the Rangers are the ones that really put the Blackhawks in a tough spot because they didn't have Kane high on their priority list. It really came about these last few days when Kane said, I'm only going to go to New York or Kane, I guess internally made it known that he was only going to go to the Rangers. And then if you're the Rangers, you just saw him score seven goals and 10 points in four games. You're like, all right, let's, let's actually make this work. And now they're moving mountains to try to make the money work. But also when Patrick Kane says he's interested in playing for you, I'm sure the ownership, the general managers were like, all right, I guess we got to make, we got to find a way to make this Patrick Kane thing work. So I, I think this was a no win situation for, for Kyle Davidson and the Blackhawks, and they're going to get whatever they can for Kane, but very much temper your expectations on what that return is going to look like. And I don't think it's Kane's fault. I don't think it's the Blackhawks' fault. I just think the Rangers were, two weeks ago were in a different spot and they decided to pivot. And now they circled back after Kane's recent hot streak. I see it similarly to you. Uh, let's go back a few weeks. The Vlad Tarasenko trade goes down. Patrick's reaction was not the happiest to hear about that trade. Clearly, uh, he was sending a message to everyone that that was his target. That was the landing spot he wanted and that he wasn't happy that Tarasenko was going there because like everybody else, he thought that's the money that was going to be allotted to him as far as the cap. That's the package that was going to go back to the Blackhawks in return. And, uh, you know, that was going to be his spot on that line because that's Tarasenko started with Panarin on his line. So I do agree with you there. And then we remember the fallout from that. We had uh, Elliot Friedman on the radio show and Elliot got into at length talking about the hip is a thing. The hip is a thing and said it a couple of times. And that, of course, gains a lot of momentum because of uh, it's being said on national television. And uh, I do agree with you. I, I do think the Rangers thought the hip was a thing. So then he goes on the tear. Um, but this is where I'll put some of the onus on Patrick's camp, and that being Pat Burson. Uh They set out, and it started when – Right after we sat down with Kane and Taves for our interviews in January, they kind of started saying, we're going to set a timetable where we let the team know, meaning Patrick and his camp, about 10 days before the deadline. They were kind of kind of signal where they would like uh, the Blackhawks to do their business if indeed he was going to waive his no-trade clause. So that kind of was was floated out there. And then last week we had the Pierre Lebrun report that said 
not only is has Kane not made his decision yet, when he does, they're going to do this one team at a time. So whatever his top target is, you'll find out about that. And then you can begin to talk to them about a possible trade. And if you can't come to a deal, we'll go back to Pat Brisson and Patrick Kane, and he'll decide if there is another team that he allows you, grants you permission to, to begin to talk to and possibly strike a deal with. As I look at it, New York was here, high up on his list, and every other team was starting well below that. And I, I don't think there, you know, the, it didn't seem like there was much momentum for Patrick to want to go anywhere else but the New York Rangers and the opportunity to be reunited with Artemi Panarin. So when LeBron puts that report out last week that says, you know, the Hawks are going to, the, the, uh, the Hawks are only going to be able to negotiate with a team, one team at a time. Again, Chris Drury already had a ton of leverage in this situation. He just got thrown a ton more. And you also look at the factor that I'm guessing ownership probably got involved on the Blackhawks side of things, and they wanted this to be a quick process. They didn't want to hold up one of the cornerstones of their franchise that they've been in his corner since day one. Uh, He's been in their corner. They have a great relationship. Uh, They weren't going to drag this out. And that probably didn't help Kyle Davidson at the negotiation table either. So when you've got uh, part of the equation on the Blackhawks side wanting to do a solid to Patrick, not draw this out, give him the opportunity to go to the place that he wants to go to, when you tell the world, like we were comparing this uh, so much to what we saw last year uh, when Philadelphia was dealing with um, Claude Giroux. Claude Giroux and Pat Persson was his agent, and they only gave the Flyers the Florida Panthers to deal with. The, the, the difference there was with Claude Giroux, only the Florida Panthers knew they were the single team in the race. It wasn't full-blown told to everybody that he only picked one and and it, and this is a one-horse race. And they got, a, I think, a pretty decent package in return. It, it didn't blow you away by any means, but it, it's better than what the Hawks are going to get back for Patrick Kane. So um, I think there's a lot of moving parts. Rangers weren't initially in on him at the beginning because of the injury – he goes on the heater. That dispels that narrative. The Hawks try to have to wait to to finally get the signal from the Kane camp that it's okay to begin talking. And when they do, they're given one team and everybody knows it. So uh, you put that all together and you're you're going to get the package that the Hawks are getting. Right. I think it's obviously a combination of a lot of different things. I think with the Kane specifically, and, and you compare it to the Claude Giroux situation, I think Kane, like I think back to what Elliot Friedman said too on Hockey Night in Canada after Kane started to go on this recent tear. And he was like, 
I was talking to a lot of teams just a few days ago and they said, yeah, no, we're out on Kane. We're out on Kane. We're out on Kane. And then all of them seemingly jump back in on Kane after he started going on that tear. Right. So I don't think it was necessarily a bidding war from the beginning. Right. And I think we've talked, we, I mean, we've talked about this at length on this podcast, how we feel like the Patrick Kane injury got overblown and I don't know where it was necessarily coming from. Like, what if it was other teams that were trying to drive the price down on it? Not necessarily, you know, so it's just, it's a lot of, but I think if the, if the Rangers had as much interest in Kane prior to the Vladimir Tarasenko trade, as Kane had as much interest in the Rangers, we wouldn't be in a situation like we're in right now. And so I don't know if a lot of people obviously are, you know, like I've seen comments on social media, just wondering like Kane's packed it in and he looks disinterested. So it's his fault for turning it up these last four games. Like I call baloney on that because I think it's been so hard for him this season, especially when you went into the year and the Blackhawks basically just subtracted everyone from their roster, Dylan Strom, Alex Debrinkett, one of his favorite line mate, all these pieces around him got moved out and it's so hard for him. He said it a while ago, how it's so hard to drive a line on my own in, in today's NHL, especially now at age 34 too, he needs those players to play with. So when he's a guy that he feeds off of confidence, right? If he's producing, it snowballs into uh, really good runs, right? That's what we're seeing now when he had this really good game against Ottawa and then Toronto and then Vegas and Dallas. I mean, he even said it in Dallas when we interviewed him after the game. Like, I feel like he's like, I feel like I'm playing my best hockey of the season, but also it's my confidence has snowballed. So I think that's, that's it more than anything. So if the Rangers were interested, you know, two weeks ago and they felt like the hip wasn't a concern, then the Blackhawks probably would have gotten that package and they maybe could have sent someone else with Kane to get the same exact package that St. Louis got for O'Reilly and Achari. And let's add the, the personal side to this. You know, as we kind of are able to look at it in a vacuum almost and say, you know, he improved here. The thought, the narrative was he was injured, blah, 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 blah. Let's talk about it from Patrick Kane's perspective. He's not happy that, you know, there's that narrative out there that he's damaged goods. Um, he goes on the tear that he does. And not only does he go on this, you know, the best four game stretch or, or match the best four game stretch of his career. He does a lot of those uh, games at the United center in front of a full house. And you were there for every one of them. I was there for a couple of them. It was electric, Charlie. It was, it was like, to me, one of the most fitting send offs that you could give a player of his ilk. Who's given so much, Granted, it's not a championship. It's not the heartbreaking Selly to, to advance. I, I get it. But for regular season games, for a bottom feeder in the league, they were some of the most special moments uh, that I can remember in the 16 years of his career, uh, including the goal that didn't count, uh, that was absolutely phenomenal. I think in the moment, again, you got a guy who's, Maybe he's come to grips like, okay, the place I want to go is New York. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, to, you know, leave this comfort zone, this place, the only NHL home I've ever had, and I'm willing to go to this other place in a gauntlet of an Eastern Conference. And, I, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a difficult challenge. We're going to probably play the Devils in the first round. And he's probably like, man, looking around and seeing this United Center go crazy and looking at his son in the front and all these things. And I think that might have made 
this decision or the final like, okay, go ahead. You guys can start negotiating with the Rangers. I think that might have even played a a role in it. When every time he said he hadn't made a decision yet, and I think all of us were like, come on, really? I, I do think there's this really – I think there's part of it that was – this was really weighing on him, and it was a really hard decision, even though from a hockey decision standpoint it seemed to make sense. I think you factor in the realness, the personal side of things. I think that's why he took it to the very end, Charlie. And then there was this report out of New York that, and again, I don't know if this is floated, floated from from Pat Persson or the, the, their camp or whatever, but th- that it was he's either going to go to the can- to go to the Rangers or he's going to shut it down and get his his hip fixed and and start anew uh, as he tries to get another contract in the off season, which of course he would have done. So your thoughts on kind of what I just laid out. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that was an emotional week for him too. It's kind of like when you know, when you know a breakup is coming, but you don't want to actually initiate the conversation or you don't want it once it's actually there, it like really sucks and whatever. I I think that was probably a scenario for him too. And I remember asking him after the, was it the, the hat trick game? Uh, Yeah. Against Toronto where he was like, you know, do moments like this make you just want to be here for a long time? And he's like, yeah, like, of course, you want to continue to to put on a show in front of these fans, right? So, but you could tell like his his the tone of his voice got much lower when he was saying he's like kind of like of course you know knowing that in the back of his mind he had kind of mentally prepared that this is probably going to be one of his last few games at the United Center. So I'm sure that was an emo- emotional roller coaster for him from him to try to navigate all those feelings as he had mentally maybe made a decision in the back of his mind that he was going to waive his no movement actually. Yeah. And again, if he had been playing at that level all season long, that would have made this decision because we've always said the lack of production is is what's really hurting the competitor in him. And a lot of there's a lot of reasons to that. And I think a lot of it is the team he's on line mates. Yeah, you can say part of it is nagging injury. Part of it's frustration of being in the situation he's in and hasn't really been in the playoffs since 17. So you put that all together and you can kind of say that's why he's got the 45 points or whatever it is in the 50 some odd games. Um, A couple things while we were having this conversation, I did receive a text. Possibly this deal could get done tomorrow. So so it's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to be tomorrow, Wednesday or Thursday, but this deal with the Rangers uh, is going to get done here, uh, barring any crazy wild turn at the finish line. So uh, expect that Jack Johnson went to Colorado. Andreas Englund is the defenseman in return, and he's going to make his Blackhawks debut tonight uh, because they need the body, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. And I think Jack Johnson also joined Colorado for morning skate morning skate. I think it is. And I think he might be playing or it was a practice. No, I think it was a morning skate. So anyway, speaking of, I, I said this on the pre or the other podcast that didn't see the light of day, but Jack Johnson logged the second most minutes of any Blackhawk this year outside of Seth Jones. I, I mean, he was brought in to be a veteran presence to eat a lot of minutes so that the younger guys weren't thrown into the fire in a situation like this, keep those young defensemen in Rockford developing. And yeah, his numbers aren't great, but he did exactly what he was supposed to do here in Chicago. And so the fact that the Blackhawks did well by him, 
by sending him back to Colorado to go help defend the Stanley Cup that he was a part of, I'm sure is awesome. And I think the return to the, whatever the Blackhawks get a defenseman, whether he's here beyond this year or not, it, it they probably would have gotten maybe like a sixth or seventh round pick for Jack Johnson. So it, it's just irrelevant that you'd, you'd rather just go get a, another body to make sure that the Blackhawks can fill out the roster for the rest of this year. Yeah. And like in the Stanley cup playoffs, and again, you're on a team that won the Stanley cup, you know, he's playing seven, eight minutes a, a game. And so when, when he came here, I remember doing podcasts with you and we're like, ah, probably, you know, I don't know, 15 minutes, maybe max uh, 13. I don't know. Some, you know, some, nothing third pairing type numbers. No, 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 no. He was, he started the season at, at, on the top pair. Yeah. And tones. yeah, I mean, he, you know, so uh, expectations. And again, it was a, what was he making? Seven, 800. Yeah, was, I mean, uh, 800, whatever league yeah. minimum for a veteran of, of his stature. And uh, I mean, just a great guy in the room. Uh, you did that story about uh, the world juniors uh, when they were all on the same ice together, USA and uh, team Canada. Uh, and he was a great dude. So w- wish him the best. And um, the other feel good story of the week and, it, you know, this is a whole next man up type of scenario with the Blackhawks with all these rumors and, and players leaving. Uh, what do we see? Kershev was sick at, at morning skate, so he's questionable to play tonight. Hawks David, are just scraping for bodies right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, if there were emergency uh, <laughs> backup forwards, they might be getting phone calls right now in California. Uh, the David Gus story is fantastic. We chronicled it. You wrote about it. We talked about it on Saturday's pregame show. It deserves more mention. And quickly, the Orland Park native uh, has never really had an NHL contract. He was part of the COVID taxi squad for Carolina, but even he admitted like that didn't really count. I didn't have a future there. Mm -hmm. He almost steps away, Charlie, after winning it all with the Chicago Wolves, the the Calder Cup last year. And... um, all of a sudden, it's like pump the brakes. You're going to have an opportunity to go to Rockford. And not only that, we're going to give you a shot at getting an NHL contract. And it, it all came together in fantastic fashion this week. Yeah, and I feel like the only organization he would have wanted to sign a, an AHL contract with was Rockford, because if he were to turn it into an NHL contract, he's still in his hometown, right? If if he signed another contract with the Chicago Wolves, let's just say he turns it into an NHL contract. Well, now he's going to, you know, Carolina to play for the Hurricanes and it's it messes with the family. And he was mentioning that his wife was pregnant at the time, too. So the fact that he was mentally preparing to to shift gears to his next the next phase of his life, then decides, ah, let me get it one more spin. I mean, is legitimately one of the best players in Rockford or in the entire AHL, turns it into an NHL contract and in his first game, first shift, first shot, scores his first career NHL goal. Like, I don't think the script could have been any better. And it was funny because I watched the video, too, of Chris Vosters calling the, the goal call. And and Chris was laying out his story while David Gust had scored his NH- first career NHL goal. So, like, even the clip is memorable when you can send it to your family where it, you're, you know, kind of encapsulating the journey. So just an amazing, amazing story for an Orland Park native. And thank goodness his parents were there because he wasn't supposed to play Saturday. 
uh, in that game in San Jose. He was supposed to make his NHL debut tonight in Anaheim. So because of the Patrick Kane situation, because of Sam Lafferty being a roster moves that were made as uh, protection because of trades, that opened up the opportunity for him. So, you know, I guess it was good that the game started late, that it got his parents' opportunity to get there. And then it was great for the cameras that we had in San Jose to catch the reaction from the parents. You could, she's like, I can't believe this. And then you could see she's telling the random people around her, that's my son. This is his first game. I mean, I was like, it doesn't get any better than this. Yeah, honestly. And it's, it's funny too, the irony of, him growing up a diehard Blackhawks fan. He was in attendance at the United Center for the 2015 Stanley Cup clincher against Tampa Bay. And I'm sure one of his favorite players is Patrick Kane. He signs the NHL contract probably because he knew that Patrick Kane was no longer going to be. And he was skating on Patrick Kane's in Patrick Kane's spot at practice the next day. Obviously, plays in his first career NHL game in Patrick Kane's spot. Patrick Kane is not there. So you had to wonder how funny that was in his brain where he's like, I earned an NHL contract and I'm playing in Patrick Kane's spot, a guy I probably grew up idolizing. So just a crazy story. And he did something that the captain had done. Jonathan Taves scored his very first NHL goal in his very first NHL game. And the opponent was the San Jose Sharks. (laughs) But David Gus one-upped him. Not only first NHL goal, first NHL game, First NHL shift. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's got the one up on Johnny Taves on that one. But that was by far an awesome story. Uh, the other thing, just uh, quickly as we exit, uh, the game delayed. Sorry that the game started around 10 a.m. <laughs> I wrapped up post game around 1.15 a.m. Uh, ridiculous. It's tough being a Western Conference team and living in the central division. It's tougher when they plan a ceremony to honor Patrick Marlowe, completely deserved. Nobody has a bad word to say about him until now. Uh, He gave a 45 minute speech, 45 folks. Like think of all the great speeches we have heard through history. I don't know how many of them top 45 minutes, probably not many at all. Well, listen, and, I don't think it has anything to do with Patrick Marlowe. I think the Sharks deserve some sort of uh, some sort of wrist lap for not maybe preparing for the possibility that it could go that long, because I will say the Blackhawks prepared for this when their Marion hosts a jersey retirement. They did it earlier, but they also did a little dress rehearsal yeah. the, the day before for Marion hosts speech. So I feel like. San Jose just didn't they didn't plan for that. Well, look, they 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 needed to look over Patrick's script or whatever or, or you know, hey Patrick, by the way, uh not for nothing, did you practice this a couple times and how long did that go? And I mean, look, Marion Hosses might have gone 8 minutes, right? <laughs> maybe maybe 10. It's not going to go 45. Um and like you know how at the Oscars they had the playoff music? Yeah. We were joking with James Nouveau on the first podcast we taped today that <laughs> it should be like the, the theme from Jaws. And then if he doesn't shut up, the Jaws from the shark just come crashing down and he's pulled off the stage in spectacular fashion. 
you think uh, do you think Patrick Marlowe has to pay for the fine that San Jose is going to have to pay the league or uh, no, no. But I'm let me kidding. tell you, we, we've had more pregame ceremonies before Blackhawks games <laughs> this season than I can remember in I've been doing I've been on this beat for over a decade. I can't ever remember us having this many. Have you gotten new tap dancing shoes yet or no? Uh, you know what? Here's just take it behind <laughs> further behind the curtain. Got a text earlier about two hours ago. Hey, if the cane thing goes down, we're going on at eight o'clock tonight. <laughs> I said, whoa, whoa, hold on. Where are you getting that report? Because my intel is telling me it's not going to be done today. They're like, oh, just be ready. I'm like, be ready. Charlie's got to be there. All the everybody, you know, just go to the tree and get 30 minutes and just pluck it off. I was going to say that means I should probably come to the studio a little bit earlier. Yeah. So I will see you on uh, Blackhawks pregame live starting at 830. We'll get you ready for the Blackhawks and the Ducks. And this is going to be weird. They're going to throw everybody out on the ice for warm up and then they're going to try to figure things out from there. <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna have to take a second look at the lines and be like wait who who is that yeah i mean this is gonna be like house league hockey where it's like little joey couldn't couldn't come to the game because he had too much homework who's out there i don't know we just grabbed some kid who was in the concession stand line oh man all right that. that's it for the blackhawks talk podcast for charlie romeliotis i'm pat boyle thanks for listening and watching and we'll catch you next time Big news! NBC Chicago has local news streaming around the clock, literally 24-7. That means you can watch or listen to Chicago news on your schedule when it's convenient for you. The channel is called NBC Chicago News. You can find it on Peacock, Samsung, Roku, and Zumo. I had no idea what Zumo was until I read this promo like last week and I had to check Zumo out. So Zumo is a TV streaming platform. And now you can get it in on one click on NBC Chicago's website and app. Just click on 24-7 streaming news at the top of NBCChicago.com or the Chicago app, the NBC Chicago app, I'm sorry. Think of it as your chance to catch up with Chicago's best local news during whatever time of day works best for you.